All right, so uh, have you ever gotten yourself into a situation that you can't quite get yourself out of? Maybe some of y'all are in that situation right now. I think sometimes we need to hit rock bottom before we are, let's say, before we are aware of just how valuable life is, just the value of the responsibilities we have been given. Um, the fact is, Jonah, as we enter chapter 2, has hit rock bottom and it would be here that he would stay for three days and three nights now I don't know how much actually happened in those three days or three nights I I don't know but what I do know is that whatever happened got Jonah's attention so we have this book of Jonah that is included in this this list of prophets but Jonah is the only book in the book of the prophets that is actually about a prophet and not just focusing on the words of the prophet you know Jonah is the central character of the story but he's not a hero really it's kind of an interesting character that's because Jonah's a different kind of prophet now he's one that actually refused God and still kept his job um, he refused God and that refusal led him to the situation that he is, finds himself in in chapter 2 uh, he's not dead, but he probably wishes he was. So in chapter 2, we read Jonah's response to God, and it's the psalm of Jonah. So, you know, what we have here is this, this story of, of Jonah running from God. He gets on a boat, and all of a sudden, he gets thrown overboard and down. He sinks into the water. Down he sinks into oblivion and certain death. But God had a different plan for Jonah. He had prepared a fish to swallow him. Now, I don't have the experience to properly describe all the sights and smells that Jonah had endured in that creature. But I think the closest I can come to illustrating it is to show you just the beginning of this video right here. Okay, uh, there's like four whole minutes of that, by the way. You can watch it, just find it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what's funny is that, you know, they chose to do that. And, and if you look at the comments, people are like, yeah, here in Sweden or wherever they are, we only do this outside. So amazing. You did it inside your house. And oh, Now, I, I have no idea what it must have smelled like inside that fish, but it had to have been at least that bad or even worse uh, than what that family went through. <laughs> but, but Jonah had hit rock bottom here. 
Um, in chapter 2, we see what kind of comes about from Jonah's hitting this desperate spot. It's the psalm of Jonah, and that's what Casey read just a moment ago. Now, the overarching theme in, in Jonah is God's overwhelming desire to forgive. We see it. We see it throughout this entire book. And we all need forgiveness, do we not? Amen? Um, I, I do. For some reason, this lost and broken city of Nineveh, the lost and broken people of Nineveh, God wanted to reach them. And he wanted Jonah to do it. But Jonah didn't. For some reason, this must have, it had to come from Jonah. So instead of letting Jonah run away, God relentlessly pursues him. But the question I have is why? Why not just let him go? Why not let Jonah go? I mean, how many prophets could have done what Jonah did or what he was supposed to do? Why is God pursuing Jonah? There's probably many others in that day. The psalmist in chapter 8 asks that very question whenever he says, what is man that you are mindful of him? God's paying attention to you. He's mindful of each and every one of you. I mean, why go to, a, to all the trouble of allowing a fish to swallow Jonah? It's all kind of funny. I mean, a breath away from death for three days and three nights. Why pursue Jonah, who instead of owning up to his own beliefs, his bad behavior, ran and hid from God? And I ask these questions, and I think the reason is maybe a very simple one. And that is that I really think God enjoys the pursuit. I really think that God is very good at hide and seek. I mean, didn't you play that when you were young? Probably still do. How exciting it was to look and how exciting it was hiding and to be suddenly found. God loves finding what has been lost. When you read scripture, you'll notice God is always pursuing someone. In Luke, the kingdom of God is described through parables as, as someone who's looking and finding that which has been lost. And I think God not only likes finding those lost things and lost people, I think he likes finding them and fixing those things that are broken as well. He believes that every lost person, every broken person, is worth saving. And I need us to remember this, especially when we encounter some people that are more broken than others. And some people who like to share their brokenness with you. Some people who would actually like to break you. Those people God considers worth saving as well. And Jonah was in need of saving, as are we all. And this is the truth that I believe many in this room need to hear at this moment. I know some of you may feel lost. I believe many of you may feel broken. Maybe not as valuable as you once used to be. Whether it's because of some, I don't know, choice that you made at some point when you were younger. Maybe it's because of some ongoing things you still struggle with. 
Maybe you think because of, of that, you aren't quite as valuable as you used to be. Maybe people have made you feel like you're pretty worthless. Just so you know, God is pursuing you too. He's not going to stop either. He's not going to stop because his goal is to find you. And it's not just to find you, it's to make you whole. He also wants to let you know, broken or not, you are priceless. So Jonah was under the assumption that only Israel should have value. That only Israel was really valuable to God. And as for the Ninevites, just think about this for a second. As for the Ninevites, if God forgave them and they were allowed to continue to be successful, then that means that, that they would continue probably in domination and that means that Israel would suffer. So Nineveh's salvation would mean Israel's suffering. Because if you know anything about Assyria, they're brutal. So in a way, I get, I get Israel. I mean, I get Jonah's thought process. I get his anger, his desire to, to die rather than allow you know, God to forgive his enemy. He was protecting Israel after all. So his refusal to participate and his willingness to die, well, that could be considered admirable. But it wasn't what God wanted. God wanted to find and fix the lost and broken things, the lost and broken people. I think what Jonah didn't count on as he sat in that slimy, dark, damp stomach for three days was the fact that saying no to God would lead to separation from God. We all have our ideas of what happens after we die. What many people, I think, don't really consider is what separation from God is like. To be separated from God is to be separated from everything good. To be separated from God is to be separated from everything good. Consider that for just a moment. To be separated from everything that makes us smile. Even the memories you know, you think of something, a better time. Imagine not being able to recall anything good. It's separation from everything that gives you satisfaction. Being separated from God is to, to be separated from everything that gives you joy or peace, comfort, rest, no light, no warmth. No feeling of safety, simply cold, dark, lonely separation. I don't think Jonah anticipated that. I believe at some point Jonah started to panic. And when we begin to panic, we are faced with a frightening future. Now, whether it's due to uncontrollable circumstances or because of some bad decisions we've made, we suddenly become very aware of our mortality and we become very aware of the spiritual world that surrounds us. 
think Jonah became suddenly aware of some things. And so he crafts this song, this psalm of Jonah. And I don't even, I wonder if he even realizes what he's saying. What does he start out by saying? In my distress, I call to the Lord. That's an understatement. In my distress, I called the Lord. He wanted to die, right? Throw me overboard, he says. What's, what's changed? I guess desperation can lead us to do and to say certain things. Jonah got himself into this mess, but I think when the realization of what was happening set in, he decided, no, separation's really not what I, I wanted, Lord. So what, did he, what does he do? He starts using every phrase in the book, everything he could think of. Drawing from everything he knew, he started to sing as if he really meant it. And the psalm is beautiful. It's very beautiful, but it draws from so many other psalms. Uh, Israel's commonly known hymns. Verse by verse, we see that the highlighted collection of the be- it's the best of Israel's playlist. So here's a couple of references. Jonah 2 refers to Psalm 18 and 120 and 86. Jonah verse 3, Psalm 88 and 42. Uh, 4 through 6 is Psalm 30, 31, 69. 7 through 9 is Psalm 3, 42, 77, 114. And t- take a picture of this and, and go home and look at this later because you'll see all those psalms is exactly what Jonah's trying to say. But these phrases, I think, start kind of start coming to mind here. And I think we do the same thing, don't we? We, uh, when, when we're suddenly faced with those difficult moments, with our mortality, with a desperation moment, I think phrases from our past jump into our mind as well, right? And, you know, we could probably pray something like, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, great great you know how great thou art guide guard and direct me does that sound familiar guide guard and direct me please provide a hedge of protection around me bless me father for i have sinned i want it to be well with my soul help me remember the old rugged cross you know those phrases from songs and scriptures for me at least they kind of start coming to mind and i think for jonah that's what's happening he's desperate Jonah's crafting a prayer from everything he, he, he probably knew because, you know, maybe for a while he so casually sung them and just said them by memory. The buzzwords and key phrases now, suddenly, in this moment, have deep personal meaning for him. Jonah's desperate, and whether or not he's truly sincere or was simply saying anything he could to get God's attention, we don't know. Uh, I, I did read something that I thought was pretty funny. He said, uh, it said, Jonah's saying anything he can to get out of the situation. And because he's using these really holy words in an insincere way, it makes the, the fish so nauseous. He just throws them up on the land, right? It's funny to me. I, I don't know if that's true, but it's funny to think about because we're like that sometimes. So does God make those types of distinctions or is he looking for the effort? Just a simple desire to reach out to him. I think God can work with that. Just a desire to reach out to him whenever you are at the end, when you're at the bottom, when you're at, you know, the worst. Just to reach out to God, God can work with that. Because I think God's desire to forgive supersedes rationality. He doesn't only want to forgive his chosen people. He wants to forgive everyone the world 
What I find most moving and awe-inspiring about the story up to this point is that God has already rescued Jonah before he even prayed for it. He already rescued him because he had prepared this fish. Who knows how long before? Raising this fish up for years and years until he finally was so big, keeping him from fishermen's nets, keeping him from predators so that one day this great fish could rescue his prophet. This fish wasn't just a death sentence it was the vehicle for Jonah's salvation it was at his lowest point when he found true connection with God now what should have been certain death was actually what gave him new life so that there's always a so that so that he could carry the message of God to a broken and dying people Luke 11 tells us that the only sign the generation that he was in would receive would be the sign of Jonah. And so just as Jesus faced certain death, just as everyone else thought Jesus was going into the belly of death, God had already prepared a way for him. God had already prepared a way to rescue him and all of us as well. So after three days and three nights in the belly of the earth, death couldn't stomach such perfection, such beauty. And through the power of God himself, death spit Jesus back up couldn't handle him anymore and you know what death can't handle anyone who even remotely resembles Jesus ever again the son of man came to seek and to save the lost he is still looking for those who are lost he's still finding ways to take those who are broken and to make them whole Jonah represented this Israel that was more focused on saving themselves at all cost Jesus represented the true Israel of God, one that will do everything to save the people that God has made, enemy and ally alike. So through Jesus, through the body of Christ, he is sharing his word with the entire world, with you, with me. So at the end of, at the end of Jonah 2, he makes this declaration when he says, but I with shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you. He says, what I have vowed, I will make good. He says, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And it does. What we'll see over the next few chapters is that even as Jonah struggles with this, God's vow stays true just as it is true today. My encouragement to you is to trust him, to believe to share his words of compassion, to share his words of forgiveness with those in your world, the ones that God has placed in your path. Reach out to God, even if you think he won't listen. Reach out and let him take you by the hand and lift you up. He's going to forgive you. He will rescue you, even in your worst moment. Call on him, and you will be saved, amen? Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment. Help us to hear the words you have spoken, and I pray that the, something will stick with us, something will, will stay, and something will be, will be able to help us and help those that you place in our path. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the story of Jonah. Lord, forgive us. Help us to be more like Jesus in our best moments and in our worst. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. If you need prayer, we have men and women around the room. We would love to talk with you. Let's sing.